Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today, and I want to thank you for joining us every week at the same time. I value your time, and I trust that as you are tuning in every week, you are being blessed by the Word of God that's coming from this ministry. Let me again tell you that if you have missed any of the programs, we have actually uh, uh, done three programs on the book of Daniel, and we're going to continue to talk about Daniel chapter 1 today. And uh, as we do that, I want uh, you to know that if you've missed any of them, you can go back and watch them on demand anytime you would like on our YouTube page. And the easiest way to do any of that is simply to go to my website, and the link is right there on the screen at lenhiles.com. And uh, there is a direct link. When the page opens, you will see right on the screen uh, probably the latest program that we have aired. And you can go back and watch them, back it up, and say, I wanted to hear that, but I missed this part. And uh, everything we have aired to date is archived there for your viewing pleasure anytime you want to. And you can do it on a smart TV. Uh, You could do it on your iPad. You could watch it on your, your iPhone. You can watch it on your smartphone of any type. You can also uh, go to our podcast on iTunes, and there's also an RSS feed for Android devices. But you could go to iTunes, and you can listen or sign up for our podcast. It's a great way to redeem the time while you're in your automobile. If you're a commuter and you are uh, traveling to and from, you can listen to the audio portions of that on there. Also, I just mentioned quickly, we have written a new book and it's out and it's titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. And I believe you'll be blessed by getting that. All of that is available on our website. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that. Uh, I want to get back in the Word uh, today uh, and just share some things with you. Uh, We're going to go back to the book of Daniel. And again, the setting for the book of Daniel is that 2 Chronicles chapter 36 tells us that the king Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, had seized uh, uh, Judah and King Jehoiakim. The Lord had given it into his hands. And the reason, if you go back and you read the Chronicles, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's like they obeyed God, then they walked away from the Lord. They obeyed God, they walked away from the Lord. Blessing came, and then curses came. Of course, see, under the Old Covenant, it's blessings and curses and all of these things. It was like a roller coaster ride. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, it said that they were carried away captive for 70 years so that the land could enjoy its Sabbaths. And when I started, what I talked about this in an earlier segment is simply this. The Sabbath in the New Covenant is more than just a certain day of the week. The Sabbath is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and you can look this up in Colossians chapter 2, but it says, do not let any man judge you in respect to meat or drink or of a new moon or of a Sabbath day, which things are only a shadow. The reality, however, is found in Christ. In other words, Christ is the fulfillment of the feasts. He's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. In other words, we enter into rest not because it's a certain day of the week, but we enter into rest because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's why he would say to us, come to me, all you who are weird and heavy laden, I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we enter into the rest of God. Hebrews 4 says, faith is what causes us to enter rest. He said they did not enter in, uh, in Hebrews 4, 
because of unbelief. And so uh, faith brings us into the rest of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so when you start to preach the finished work of Jesus Christ and what He accomplished in His redemptive work, then what will happen is everything you need begins to flow from this incredible rest. It begins to flow. Matter of fact, Hebrews 4 tells you that uh, in the Old Testament, I, I, let me say it like this, the Old Testament, the promised land was a piece of real estate. But in Hebrews 4, the promised land is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so when we enter into the rest of, the, uh, of Jesus Christ, we enter into a promised land. And it's out of that promised land that there is an outflow of milk and honey. It's interesting that the land had enjoyed its Sabbath for 70 years is what Jeremiah said to fulfill the words. And if you read it in 2 Chronicles 36, it said to fulfill the words of Jeremiah that, the, that 70 years the land would be in captivity. And that became the pattern for which Daniel writes later on, I believe it is in the ninth chapter where he said 70 weeks of years are determined upon my people. The pattern he uses is the 70, uh, if you will, uh, that the 70 years that they were in captivity uh, under the king Nebuchadnezzar. And that really, this Babylonian captivity became a picture that really foretold the destruction of Israel and Jerusalem, again, under the siege of the Romans. And much of the, uh, the wording that is quoted in the New Testament uh, in fulfillment of those prophetic words as actually coming from this time of captivity in Babylon. And so I don't want to get a whole lot of eschatology here in this particular segment, except to tell you that the Sabbath to me speaks of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now with that being uh, backdrop being there, let me read verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the ha treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Esphenes, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed of the princes. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Meshael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should I he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your short? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink, and then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with us, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them, 
in this manner and proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days of the king, uh, had said he should bring them in, that the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Meshel, Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even under the first year of the king of Cyrus. Now, I, I've read this before in, in other segments, but I want to really kind of delve into something in this particular segment. And that is, if I got up at a place and I said to you, uh, who is Azariah? Who is Michelle? And, and uh, uh, who is Azariah? You would probably not even say, well, I, I've done, see, because I've done this several places I've been. And people say, well, I don't know who that is. I said, well, that, if I said to you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Everybody go, well, that's the three Hebrew children. And the thing that really began to open this text to me that I'm sharing with you in this particular segment is that I think so many times we've allowed Babylonian religious confusion that's not flowing from the Sabbath rest of God or the finished work of Jesus to so steal our identity that we answer to our Babylonian name. We've been called a lot of stuff in church. We've been called sinners. We've been called dogs returning to the vomit, sows to the wallet. You know, I mean, I, I, I see sometimes abuses that I see in New Covenant churches that ought to be preaching a message of grace that steals the identity of its people and beats them down to they don't hardly believe, first of all, they can stand before anybody, yet alone the king of Babylon or some politician or even before the king of glory. But see, what happens is, is that they were renamed a Babylonian name, and some of them had so lost their identity that when they come back out of captivity into the land of promise under Ezra and Nehemiah, that Ezra goes back and says that, that you know, that, that there was a, even among the priesthood, that they had so lost their identity that he said that these sought their register literally their roots or their identity, among those that were reckoned by genealogy but were not found. Therefore were they put forth from the priesthood as polluted. In other words, they had lost their national identity. They had lost their individual identity to the place where they were disqualified from priest. And he said, until there stands up a priest with Urim and Thummim that they cannot eat of the most holy things. Now that's a powerful picture to me of where we stand at in this hour because what happened was the Urim and the Thummim that was given by the high priest were stones of judgment. It was a white stone and a black stone. And it, let me just put it this way. It would be as if the white stone says, all right, you're qualified. You are part of the priestly lineage. And the black stone would say, you're disqualified. When they would stand and they would pull from the ephod and they would pull these stones of judgment out. If you remember, David inquired of the Lord by Urim and Thummim. It was something that was in the breastplate of the high priest that was used for, for all kinds of, of purposes of finding uh, something out from God. And so he said they were put forth the priest until there stood forth a priest with a white stone or, you know, with Urim and Thummim. And so what I began to see was that in the new covenant, the book of Revelation says, to him that overcometh, I will give him a white stone. That's the white stone of the Urim and Thummim. In other words, I'm going to give him back 
his identity because in that same church he promises, I will give write upon him a new name. I will write, uh, 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 I'll give him a white stone and a new name written that no man knows except he that receives it. In other words, he's going to bring you back into a full revelation of your identity in Christ. And when you do, then you will realize I am qualified to eat of the most holy things and I understand my genealogy and my roots. You see, to believers today, I want to say to you, the moment you got born again, you got, and I'm going to stress this word, you got regenerated. I said regenerated. In other words, you got a new DNA operating in your being. You got regened. You have royal blood pumping and pulsing through your veins. That's your identity. And knowing who you are is critical in this hour of Babylonian confusion because all kinds of stuff is trying to steal your identity. Everything flowed, all sin in the Garden of Eden flowed from a mistaken identity. When the devil says to Adam, if you get enough information about good and evil, you can make yourself like God. Adam should have turned around and said, I'm already like God based on what God already created me to be. I don't have to do anything in order to be. I already be. And see, that doesn't mean there's not any doing. It means when you realize who you be, who do you be? Well, you're a new creature in Christ. You're the sons of God without rebuke. You're the seed of Abraham. And when you know that, there is a doing, but it's out of who you be. It's not, out, it's not, a, it's not a, a doing in order to be. It's a being, and since you be, then you do. In other words, it flows from who you know you are. You see, when you're really convinced that you're righteous, you'll act like you're righteous. Now, let me just take this, because if I don't, I'm going to be out of time again before I really unpack this. And I want to look at the name. See, I want to look at the, the meanings of these four Hebrew children. The meaning of their names is vitally important. Daniel, his name means the judge of God, or he whom God has judged. He became Belteshazzar, which means to protect the king. It means to preserve his life. That's what happens. In other words, they stole the identity of Daniel to be a protector of the king of Babylon. I could really kind of get on a, a, a tangent here and talk about a lot of pollution going on in religious circles and people have taught a loyalty to protect some king when the reality of it is they need to protect their identity of who they are in Christ and, and flow out of that. But here's what I'm after. The word Daniel means he whom God has judged. What we need to understand, the first thing, see, the first thing that's been stolen from believers in Babylonian captivity is that they still think their judgment is somewhere in their future rather than realizing that, we've, we, that in Christ our judgment is not coming. Our judgment has already been completed in him. And to just reiterate a few things I said in one of the prior segments, it's that, you know, in, in the book of John, it says that there are three dimensions of the work of the Holy Spirit. The first dimension of the work of the Holy Spirit, we probably will reiterate this in some of the, uh, these other names in a minute, is that, that the Holy Spirit comes to convict and convince the world of sin because they believe not. So if you are an unbeliever, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to convince and convict you that you need a Savior. But the second dimension of the whole work of the Holy Spirit is to convince and convict you of righteousness. And once the Holy Spirit convicts you of righteousness and you believe you're righteous, you will act like you're righteous. But the third dimension of the work of the Holy Spirit 
is he said he will convince and convict you of judgment because the prince of this world has already been judged. And so Jesus made this statement right before he was about to be crucified. He said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And this spake he concerning what death he would die. See, what he did on the cross was he drew all judgment into himself. He drew all judgment into himself. So the first thing that you need to be convinced of and the thing that Daniel, they were trying to rob Daniel of, is the fact that he was already judged of God. And you know what the scripture also goes on to tell us? It says that, you know, that in the day of judgment, I like this, that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. I'll touch this one again with one of these other names because it ties in together. That in the day of judgment, we can have boldness because as he is, so are we in this present world. Because our judgment in this hour as believers is not against us, it's in our favor. My attorney told me one time, he said, you know what, Lynn, the word judgment's not always a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing, especially if he says the judgment is in your favor. There is an eternal judgment that was in your favor that will eternally not change for you as a believer. I powerfully believe that. And so I think one of the things that, that, that if you get on a Babylonian diet, see one of these things these guys refused to eat, what was being fed to them. I don't know about you, a lot of the stuff that I preach these days, it just really flowed for me out of a quest to know myself. I just got tired of, the, you know, I, I remember the Spirit of the Lord would just say, but this is not right. That, I don't know what it is, but this isn't. And I'd sat in churches and here, it was Babylonian baloney, literally. And it was stealing my identity. It was stealing my peace. It was stealing my joy. And I have got to the place where I just dig in my feet and say, I just am not eating the junk food that's being served sometimes over even religious pulpits or through, you know, even secular television or whatever. There's a lot of stuff floods into our mind that sometimes you've got to push it away and say, I refuse to eat the king's meat. I refuse to believe anything other than I, my name is Daniel. God has already judged me. The second name, Hananiah, which was the first of the three Hebrew children, which this is, this is I mean, when I start looking at this, this stuff is powerful to me. Hananiah's name means Jehovah has favored, or it literally means grace. So the second thing that's been stolen in our Babylonian identity has been, we've been robbed of the truth of the grace of God. And his name was changed to Shadrach, which means at Aku's command. It was a, uh, it also means a uh, 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 decree of the moon or a tender breast or salt tender. The breast is tender. It was really dealing with giving them a name of one of their Babylonian gods. And they're trying to bring him into the image of some false image of their God rather than teaching him his name is Hananiah, which means grace. I think as you go through the scriptures and you see people that have names like Hananiah, you see Hannah, for instance, in the book of uh, Samuel, her name also means grace. You see Anna in the book of Matthew, her, whose name means grace. Each one of these names actually, you know, have with it the, uh, carry the idea of grace. So there's a powerful message of grace in every one of these names. I think about, uh, for instance, the, the Bible says that when Jesus was a baby, there was an old shuffling prophet by the name of Simeon who was waiting on the consolation of Israel. And God had promised him, your eyes will not see death until you've seen uh, the consolation of Israel. 
And the Bible says that, uh, that when Mary came into the temple with eight pounds, if you will, of God in the flesh and handed him to the hands of a priesthood that was waiting on the consolation of Israel, the Bible says, and coming in that instant, Anna. I could literally translate like, and coming in that instant, grace. Because grace comes the instant Jesus comes on the scene. An old priesthood was passing away, but grace had come on the scene in an instant. Hallelujah. That was the consolation of Israel. When Hannah prayed, she said, God, give me a son that will change the course of this corrupt priesthood. And what happened was she gave birth to a Samuel who would ultimately anoint a king-priest ministry like David. Hallelujah. So Hannah gave birth to that. It's grace that works in the lives of believers. Don't let anybody steal your identity of grace, if you will. I, I, don't, in other words, don't go back to Babylonian confusion where you're feeding on stuff that brings you back under law, but remain in the power of grace. And, and, and don't be drawn back to the, uh, you know, the worship of some false concept of God. The second's name was uh, uh, Michelle, and, uh, Michelle and, and Michelle's name means who is what God is, or who is like God. And uh, what had happened was that when they named him Meshach, what they were trying to do was steal, if you will, the image of God from his life. But I thought, as I, I've quoted the scripture a while ago, see, what we need to do is remind ourselves that what the scripture says, that we can have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, we are. That's not my words, that's his word. Not when we get to heaven some glad day. But as he is, we can have boldness in the day of judgment. And you know, there's an interesting thing even about this word judgment here. Because it can be, and it's the Greek word, I believe, crises. And sometimes we think about judgment as being some future judgment day, but it's, it's even can be, I believe, because these people here, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, all these guys, they're in the middle of a Babylonian crisis. They're being carried away captive. Their homes have been plundered. They are literally captives in a strange land. But see, I believe boldness can come on the scene. It says, in the day of crisis, as he is, so are we in this present world. I believe in the midst of that, when you realize that, you can stand up and begin to speak some things to your crises and say, I've got authority in the name of Jesus that this crisis don't have to overtake me, but as he is, so am I in this present world, and I'm going to exercise the dominion that belongs to me through the Word of God, and I'm going to not let somebody steal my identity. And again, Meshach was uh, the name that they gave him. That was the name of a Chaldean god, and it literally means biting or expeditious or uh, uh, waters of quiet, to steal the waters. In other words, it, was, it had to do with Chaldean gods that, was, uh, that would, I could say it like this, would make you want to bite and devour one another and attack other people and attack everything. But see, he remained who he truly was, was he was in the image and likeness of God. God had created him like that. If you stand in that faith, don't feed on anything other than what points you to the true image of God. The, third, the next name was Azariah, which means Jehovah has helped, or he whom Jehovah has helped. He ultimately became Abednego, and Abednego means the servant of Nebo, which was again a foreign god. He was uh, like the sun worshiper of Mercury or the servant of Jupiter. Every one of these are trying to steal 
their identity to try to get them to adapt to a culture that was Babylonian. But his name means he whom God has helped. Now this one here speaks to me pretty powerfully because what I believe we need to understand even in the new covenant is that when we receive the new covenant and we receive the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit becomes our helper. He whom God has helped. It's when we come to an understanding that it's not by my might nor my by power, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by faith through grace. Again, there are works that are products of faith, but we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. One of the greatest things I think you can do is to point people to the help of the Holy Ghost because when the help of the Holy Ghost comes on the scene, it will, you'll find out that uh, your, your own strength and might cannot do it. You know, to people who really are in any kind of bondage, I, I look at, for instance, because I know uh, my brother's involved in helping a lot of people with uh, life or drugs and addiction issues. And uh, in, in any of these uh, programs that you enter, they're going to tell you, you're going to have to have a higher power because if you could have helped yourself, you would have helped yourself. But see, I say that not just to addicts. I say that to everybody in the world. We need the help of God and we need a higher power working in us. But I'm going to tell you, it's not just a higher power because I've never seen anybody who chose a Ford or a Chevy or their car to be their higher power ever really getting deliverance. But when you turn your trust on Him, God can begin to break strongholds of bondage in your life and you'll see changes take place. The book of Romans chapter 8 says in the Message Bible that instead of redoubling our own efforts, we simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. In other words, the Spirit begins to be the one that does the change. That's what transforms us. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the renewing of our minds is to renew our minds to the truth of who we are in our new identity. How do you do that, Brother Hyde? Well, you stop eating a Babylonian diet and you start getting on another diet. You know, I'm thankful for the days. My dad used to, when we were kids, it was a rule. And I, you know, it was just a rule in our house. I mean, it wasn't legalistic, but I mean, most every time I can remember before we would go to bed, it was required that sometime during that day, we would read at least three chapters in our Bible. Now, I used to just whine and complain about that and try to find the three smallest ones I could, I could read sometimes just to get through it. But now as I look back at those times, I'm thankful for the Word of God that got in my life. Because, I, you know, we, we need to teach a generation to come and people how to stand on the Word of God and not back down from their true identity. We need to get folks back on a real solid diet of the Word of God and the truth. Feed them more lamb, if you will. Feed them the bread and wine of the kingdom because that's the stuff. It's the diet that really produces the change in your life. What are you feeding on? That's why I believe it's important to listen to this kind of stuff in podcasts and our message of the month and different things like that. that it's all stuff that helps you to feed on the right stuff. We're out of time again. Uh, take a moment to call that number on the screen or go to our website. It's very easy to do that if you'd like to sow seed into the ministry. If you call the phone lines and you, no one answers or you get a busy signal, it's because we're on the line with someone else or we have a, a very busy schedule. If you leave a message, we'll call you back. A lot of times if you don't leave a message, we don't call back those numbers that just uh, call. But uh, leave a message or the easiest way to do is go to our website, sow seed into the ministry. Become a partner with our ministry today and help us take 
take the gospel of the kingdom around the world. It's changing lives, and you can be a part of that if you'd like to. Do it today. God bless you. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.